the Desert Shift podcast and the last official podcast episode for this season as we go on to season two and the 2023-2024 season next episode. Because we have a official cup winner, my name is Chase Beardsley, one of your hosts, along with Tyler Cassio, our host. Before we jump to, obviously, the biggest news of them all, uh, Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, it, was, it was rainy yesterday, but it's back to being nice out today, so I like that. That's what I love to hear. It's been hot here, obviously. Uh, but you know where else it is hot? It's in Las Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights are your 2023 Stanley Cup champions. They win their series against the Florida Panthers in five games. They are Stanley Cup champions uh, for the first time in their franchise history in their sixth year of existence. Tyler, take us a little bit about this Stanley Cup final and the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. I'm I'm happy about it. I t- I told you it was gonna happen. I told you because I, I picked Florida to win. Every time I went against Florida, they won. And now that I went before Florida, I knew they were gonna lose. So my strategy worked. Um, yeah, it sucks that the clinching game had to be an awful game. Like I love like the close, like the best games, especially the finals, or you know those close games. I don't know. I don't think Florida necessarily like gave up. Because, like, in terms of, like, the Dallas Game 7, they looked like they just gave up. For Florida, I just think they were just defeated in terms, like, everybody was hurt. And they just looked like they gave it their all, but they just finally ran out of gas, especially in, in Game 5. But for the most part, besides that, all the other games were close. I mean, um, the two in Vegas, uh, I think Vegas won both of those pretty big, but then back in Florida, Florida had the OT winner. And then Vegas won the other one in Florida, I think, three to two. So we had the two close games in Florida. But other than that, it was um, Vegas kind of controlled, especially at home. Vegas dominated Florida at home. Yeah, it's it wasn't the most entertaining and thrilling Stanley Cup final ever, partially because, as you mentioned, everyone was hurt. Obviously, Matthew to Chuck being the big one, uh, being uh, swapped out in game five because he had a broken sternum, uh, which is impressive how he even played in game four, because I believe it was in game three or game two that that was injured. And yet he still managed to go out and play, even though his teammates were helping him get out on the ice. Like, that's just impressive. That's some Mario Lemieux crap right there. Uh, obviously, Ekblad uh, had a broken foot that he had played on since round one. And uh, E2 Loose Ryanin, I believe, was the other one that has been announced thus far. But let's be honest, obviously, Radko Gudis was hurt. Uh, there were a lot of other players that were just severely hurt on that team. I think Bobrovsky, he's going to walk away with some injuries as well. Vegas was just a healthier team, um, and they were the better team. I mean, this Vegas team was very, very good this whole playoff uh round and obviously playoff season uh, they took out winnipeg in five took out edmonton in six took out dallas in six and then florida in five um kind of like the colorado avalanche last season where they swept two of their series and then took the ever two the six it's it was kind of dominating i believe in my opinion edmonton was the toughest challenge of theirs the whole way uh jonathan martian so wins the con Smythe, the obvious choice. He was fantastic in the finals. 
Aiden Hill had some great saves all throughout this finals. Um, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone. I mean, the obvious culprits were big helpers here. But in the end, like, I don't think it was, it will be a memorable finals. I don't think it will even come close to the best finals of the past couple of years because while I don't think this is the worst finals in the past couple of years, because I think honestly the Montreal series was a versus Tampa was worse than this. I think the Ducks and Ottawa series back in 07 was worse than this because you still had two really, really tough games in game three and four. And then games one and uh, five were just abysmal. Uh, so, again, not the worst ever final, but it was pretty disappointing, especially because everyone was hurt. Vegas, I mean, they win their first ever cup in franchise history. Uh, they win one more cup than a lot of the other NHL franchises have ever won. Like Florida has never won one. San Jose has never won one. Uh, Columbus hasn't even made the final along with Minnesota. Nashville hasn't won one. The Islanders haven't won one since the 70s. Toronto hasn't won one since the, the Islanders won the 80s. Or sorry, yeah, the 80s, my bad. Yeah. Late 70s, early 80s, my bad. My bad. And then, uh, I mean, I can go on and on. Like, Vegas has won a cup before some of these historic, uh, historic franchises have won a cup in the modern era. Um, so congrats to Vegas. No one's really happy yeah. for them. <laughs> um, um, I also congrats to Florida for winning a game in the finals. So they didn't go two cup appearances without a win. Yeah, somehow in some way, Nashville and San Jose have been the last cup finals than Florida, and they've won more games than <laughs> Florida, which is impressive. But congrats to Florida to even making it this far. No one even shows them to make it this far. Paul Maurice, what a legend. He, he gave some really good interviews along the way, too. I got to commend him on that. And then to Chuck, I mean, impressive playoffs by him. If only he was healthy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Vegas wins. To be honest, I didn't see a whole lot of excitement around social media. I mean, Vegas is the team. I mean, last year, everyone was rooting for them to miss the playoffs. And then this year, I mean, they kind of snuck under the radar, partially because, like, they didn't make any massive moves like they usually do with Petrangelo, Eichel, Stone the past couple of years. I think I'm really most happy for, obviously, Aiden Hill because he's a former Shark. But also, I think the original Misfits, I mean – they were the players that were always underrated. And those are the players that, you know, grew themselves in Vegas. And I think that's what really matters. And I think that's cool. I think, uh, you know, I think Jonathan Quick winning the cup is uh, it's going to be some interesting words over here with Tyler. Tyler, how do you feel about your favorite goaltender in existence winning the Stanley uh, Cup with the Vegas Golden Knights, not the LA Kings? I don't know. It's just one of those things that, like, uh, good good for him. I mean, it's not really a big deal because, I mean, it would be different if, like, he was a huge contributor to them for winning the Cup, but he just sat on the bench the entire Cup run. And, I mean, you know, good for him. He gets his name on the Cup, but, I mean, everyone's going to remember him for his two in L.A. where he was, like, the legitimate, like, one of the main reasons why they actually won. So, you know, he'll get his third ring, uh, so good for him, but, I mean, uh, he didn't really do anything, so it's it's not like a big deal. 
Former Kings Alex Martinez and Mike Amadio will also be getting their names on the cup. Um, and then also and Brandon, Brandon McNabb. Brandon McNabb as well. Former and, and Ben Hutton. Ben Hutton, a legendary king. Um, you know, Phil Kessel, a three-time Stanley Cup champion now, Mr. Hot Dog Man himself. He's getting his third cup. I believe almost everyone else, I mean, Alex Petrangelo, his second cup, but almost everyone else have never won the cup, including Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, his first year behind the bench, guides them all the way to Stanley Cup. Really impressive. And, I mean, the overarching theme here is that, I mean, uh, Vegas said they were going to win the cup within six years, and they've done it. And, yeah. Tyler, how happy are you that Vegas won the cup? Um, I, I wanted the West team to win no matter what once the Islanders lost. As long as it wasn't Edmonton, I was rooting for the West team. Um, I actually um, I like a lot of the players on Vegas. I don't know. I think they're they're more of a fun, interesting team, you know. And, and it's hard to kind of just hate a new team, especially rooting for a team out east. I mean, I feel like them and the Kings, I guess they're rivals, but they haven't like huge rivals. I feel, I feel like Vegas and like San Jose is a little bit more of a rivalry. Yes. Um, uh, Vegas, like the Kings, they played each other once in the playoffs and the Kings got swept. And like they have close competitive games, but they're always like fun to watch with the Kings. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to hate a team like that when, when, uh, you know, they barely play the Islanders. And also, um, they have one of my favorite players. Even though he didn't, I doubt he gets a ring. And Robin Leonard, um, oh, he's not getting a ring. I wouldn't think he's definitely not getting his name on the cup. He was obviously injured this whole year. Plus, they already have four other goaltenders that are going to make their names. Yeah, four. it's uh, I because I, I I love Robin Leonard. Um, I wish he could have gotten his name on the cup, but you know, it was, it was easy to root for them, especially last year when he was playing. You know, I was always rooting for them when he was in that couple other things uh this is the first pacific division team to win the cup since 2014 so it's been almost a decade since the uh the last time a pacific division won the cup that was back 2014 when the kings defeated the new york rangers um and i mean vegas's parade will take place i believe this weekend uh not sure about that so that will be interesting they won in, I in my opinion, one of the worst jerseys ever. Um, I hate that. They should have worn the they should have worn the chrome domes in the. Final. I like the I like their reverse retros, the black ones, and this is the first home team uh, victory that has won a Stanley Cup since the 2021 Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, when they did it, and before that, I believe it was 2015. If the Blackhawks won it. I believe at home. I believe that was the one time they won at home out of the three. But in any case, congratulations, Vegas Golden Knights. Congratulations, Vegas fans. You guys waited such a long time, uh, longer than any of us uh, doubted. Man, congrats, Vegas. I mean, it's cool to see hockey thrive in the desert. Um, the other thing is I did not see a lot of teams uh, congratulate Vegas. I saw Vancouver congratulate Vegas, but usually all the teams mingle and say, ah, congratulations. Not a lot of that happening in Vegas. Uh, so I think that's a, it's a huge key aspect there. Let's move on to the final news before this cutoff 
and we officially head into the 2023-2024 season and season two of the Desert Ship podcast. That would be begin with two coaching hires. That includes Peter Labellette being hired by the New York Rangers, coached Washington last year, and he was one of the rumored coaches, one of the two rumored coaches when the Rangers were looking for a head coach, the other one being, uh, being John Hines, who got fired from Nashville. Your thoughts on Peter Laviolette with the Rangers, Tyler? I I don't like this hire just because it feels like they're going from a uh, gallant as like a veteran coach, you know, who's had some winning uh, seasons and to, you know, a better gallant. I think Laviolette's definitely a better coach, but Laviolette hasn't had success, like sustained success, especially in the playoffs for a long time. I mean. Nashville. What? Nashville. Yeah, but that was what almost six, seven years ago now. He was he there is a reason he got fired from Nashville when they oh, had yeah. a really, really good team. And then we saw it with Washington when he had a great team, especially his first year there. They were pretty good lost in the first round. They they weren't they would they were what two years coming up? Like three years coming up. Great the team, though. I would not call them. They were aging. They, they, they had like hundred. They had like a hundred something points. Well, and that's then, what usually Washington does. Yeah, but they lost in the first round. Uh, next year, lost in the first round again. Um, and then this past year, they were not great. That's not totally his fault. They were destroyed by injuries. But I just think that um, he's kind of at, like past his prime as a coach. I just think that the Rangers are going from a guy who can get you into the playoffs and – that's kind of it with Gallant to another guy who'll probably give them a good regular season, get him into the playoffs. But I still don't see Laviolette as as this insane coach anymore, like he was with the Hurricanes. Yeah, I don't think he's an insane coach. And I think that you shouldn't rely on him or anything. But at the same time, like I think uh, Laviolette, I think he's a fine coach. He, I think he did well in Nashville until it kind of expired there. He had been with Nashville for a while, guided them to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, with Washington, I don't really blame him because for a couple of those years, they didn't have stable goaltending. They had the Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov uh, rookie goaltending tandem, and they weren't very good, to be honest. And I think Phoenix Copley was also in there, but uh, – it was it, I don't think he had fantastic teams in Washington either. Um, I think it's an okay hire. I don't think it's the best hire ever, but I do think he it's an upgrade than Gerard Gallant. So I think if you look at it like that, I think you know this is a win for the Rangers. But if you look at it like, oh, did they hire the best coach in the market? I don't think so. But who right. knows? My my main issue with this hire is I thought they're when they were looking for a coach, their main priority should have been looking for a guy who could, you know, really tap into Lafreniere's potential, Kako's potential. They have all these guys, these young guys coming up, and none of these prospects have ever turned into anything besides, you know, maybe Cheadle and uh, Keandre Miller. All these first-round picks turn into busts. And I don't think Laviolette is the guy that'll really um, – if if – Lafreniere and Kako do have that untapped potential still. I don't think Laviolette's the guy to do it. And I think they should have brought in a guy, you know, who 
can not only work with the veterans because I think Lavula will be great with the veterans, but will also be able to still help these young guys develop so they aren't these first, second overall busts. And I, I think that uh, the Rangers just mishandled it on that part because I don't see Lafreniere or Kako getting that much better under Lavula. He did unlock Rasmus Sandin when he came over from Toronto, but I digress. We have another coaching hire, and that is Ryan Huska with the Calgary Flames. Tyler, your thoughts on Ryan Huska with the Calgary Flames? Well, I think anybody is a, a step up from from Sterile Sugger. Um, and I, I think this is a move that the players in the locker room wanted. You know, I saw a report that came out that none of the UFAs would have come back if uh, Sutter was still there next year. And I think Husky is a guy that's going to be popular um, in the locker room. I think players like him. I still think that they should have brought up the guy from the AHL because I think he's going to be a great NHL head coach one day. But I think this was also like a safe choice because I think that he's a guy that could get the Flames into the playoffs. I think he could make them a good team again, especially with all the talent there. And uh, I, I think it's just, you know, their main issue last year was coaching. And I think they did a great job um, fixing that issue. Now you just have to hope Markstrom, which was another issue last year, gets back to uh, how he was two years ago. Because him and, and Wolf in Calgary could be a great goalie tandem. And they could be really good next year because they have the talent. And I'm going to assume all their players who struggled last year are going to bounce back, especially under a new coach like this. Yeah, I think he's going to be way better than Daryl Sutter um, because Sutter was absolutely garbage. Husk has been the uh, assistant coach with the Flames since 2018. He was also the head coach of the Stockton Heat slash the Adirondack Flames from 2014 to 2018. If you remember anything about that, those Stockton Heat teams, they were pretty bad. And they had they had decent players on them. I think they made the playoffs once, and now that, that was when they got taken out by the San Jose Barracuda. Shout out. I just think Mitch Love should have been the next head coach. I think he's done a fantastic job in Stockton slash the Wranglers. I think he deserves a head coaching job. I think he's going to get a head coaching job. The amount of skill that he's brought out with these teams is just incredible. I think he's going to be an NHL coach in the next three years. But Ryan Huska, obviously, uh, way better than Daryl Sutter. I think we can both agree on that. Uh, our next topic at hand happened just earlier today at the time we're recording this, and this is the Jasper Bratt extension. Trey Matthews going insane right now. The Bratt extension is an eight-year extension worth 7.875 AAV. Tyler, your thoughts on the on the Brad extension? Let me just read off his stats. 32 goals, 73 points through 82 games with the Devils this past season. Yeah, I, I think getting him for under 8 mil is really good for the Devils. I, I think I like the contract because I think he's going to be a constant 60 to 70 point guy, especially with all the ta- upfront talent that, that the Devils have. I think he's going to be a big part of the core for a long time. The only question is, you know, he's going to get you points in the regular season, but we saw in the playoffs, he did absolutely nothing. I mean, granted, it was, it was his first like major um, playoffs. I believe he played like a game or two back when they made it with Hall, but this was like his first like real taste of the playoffs. And I mean, that 
like, you know, he's going to put points up in the regular season, but you know, we've seen guys with these big contracts, they disappear in the playoffs and then these contracts just look awful because, you know, they're just regular season players. So I think it'll be, it's a good contract getting him under 8 million, especially because you know, he'll get a few points, but the devils, if the devils want to be a serious contender for a long time, they're going to need him to do much better in the playoffs that he did this past run. Yeah. I think uh, that was a huge reason why, like, I think Devils fans were disappointed. He was not good in playoffs at all. I mean, Neaver was the other guy they have to re-sign, which is Timo Meyer, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, yeah, I think it's a fine deal. I don't really have that many thoughts about it. I'm, am I surprised he stuck around New Jersey? Not really. Kind of expected him to. Um, you know, it's a, it's a decent deal. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it's bad. Uh, I think you just really have to hope that he uh, does well in the playoffs next season, which hopefully uh, happens for Devils fans. But, yeah, not not a bad extension. Uh, Jason Spezza, hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is the assistant GM now. Uh, they still have the GM spot vacated, but most likely Kyle Dubas will be taking over that spot. Any thoughts on Jason Spezza? Um, good, good hockey vibes there. Um, and I think him and Dubis are very close, so that's why he went oh, over yeah. there. But, um, I think he's just a respected guy around the league, not even just among the players, but I think that even like front office guys even respect him just because he was in the league for a long time. You know, he was such a good and respected player when he's in the league. And, I mean, I think it's good and um just having him in a front office because he's a good hockey mind and he's just a good person so just having you know a good person around your organization is is always helpful yeah absolutely i think this is a good hire for the penguins it was kind of expected because i mean obviously uh spezza is a huge huge uh follower of kyle dubas so we'll see what happens we do have some trades to announce uh this is let's start with the Bigger trade, uh, the Frederick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's start with the actual big, biggest trade here. Uh, that's the Damon Severson trade. So, the New Jersey Devils trade Damon Severson to the Columbus Blue Jackets for the 80th overall pick this season or this draft. And then it was a sign in trade. So, the Jackets uh, signed Severson to an eight year extension worth 6.25 AAV, seven goals, 33 points through 81 games with the Devils last season for the defenseman. Your thoughts on the Damon Severson trade? Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts on this because I think Columbus, Kekalainen is just an idiot for doing this. I'm, I, this is not to say Severson is a bad player. I don't think he's that bad. I think he's a, a fine second pairing defenseman. My issue with this is the last draft, they had two lottery picks. They had fifth, I believe, and then 12th. They took a defenseman with both of those picks, with Deercheck at five, and then Denton, Matt, and Chuck, uh, I think, at 12. So now you have basically your top two prospects are both defensemen. You have Rensky locked up long-term. You have Severson locked up long-term. You just got Provorov. So, I mean, I, I just... 
I don't understand, you know, getting all of these defensemen when you have so many good young defensemen, especially guys like Boquist, who they got in the Seth Jones trade, um, Blankenberg from Michigan. You have all of these Big young defensemen. They still, yeah, Bean, they still have peak, right? Hmm? They still have peak, right? Uh, Andrew, I so. peak. Yeah, so you have all of these young defensemen, and you were just bringing in these veteran guys who, you know, I don't think um, Severson is terrible, but I don't think that he's the guy that you want on your right side second pair for the next eight years, um, especially when you just drafted two defensemen with the fifth and I think 12th overall pick. And then, like, to me, all you're doing is just all of these young guys, um, you're just, you know, keeping them out of the lineup, which is not what you want to do. And and they still have Gabranson. <laughs> I mean, when they give him a four-year deal last offseason, so he still have three more years left of him. What do you have? They um, so to me, your your top four right now is looking like um uh Severson and Prover are probably your second pair, and then Wierenski, and I guess Dierchek as your top pair. So that leaves, and I feel like they're gonna have to play Gabranson because they're paying him all that money. So that leaves one spot left for a guy like Boquist, um, Blankenberg, yeah, Bean, um, Peak, all of these guys who are good NHL caliber defensemen. And then eventually you're going to have um, Denton Matinchuk, who I love. Um, when the Islanders had still had the 13th pick last year, I wanted him so badly there. I think Columbus took him at 12 and then the Islanders traded it. But he's such a good offensive defenseman. He put up like 60-something points. It's like almost a point per game, whatever league he was in. Um, so, yeah, I just – I don't know what Columbus is doing with all these defensemen. I'm guessing they're going to have to trade some. But you have these such good young defensemen, and then you're just over – I think the contract in general is an overpayment. You're just overpaying and making trades that you don't need to make. It's, it, it just – it feels like they're doing with what the Rangers did. Um a few years ago, and that's totally rushing the rebuild. I think if the Rangers waited uh, a year or two, they think they could have been so much better than they are right now. I think Columbus is doing the exact same thing where they're just going all in for players they don't need to way too early. And I think Columbus will be good next year, but I think that if they waited a year, they could have, you know, really developed a lot of these guys and not totally rushed this rebuild and honestly could have, you know, win a few cups in the next within the next 10 years. But I just feel like they're doing what the Rangers did and totally rushing this rebuild. I'm going to take it back a little bit to the trade. Let's talk about the trade itself for a second. I think the actual trade is good because a third-round pick for Damon Severson, especially if you can lock him down, that is fantastic. I think Severson is a great defenseman. I think he's miles better in Provorov. Uh, that Provorov deal is way worse than this, in my opinion. And I, do not understand why they hired him besides Mike Babcock. Um, the extension, the deal itself, I think it's too pricey. I don't think Severson is a $6 million player. I think he's more of a $4.5, $5 million player, if anything. He's not an offensive defenseman. He's a defensive defenseman that will get you good defense. But for knowing his age, I don't think he's worth that much. And then you add in the fact that you just talked about that they already have enough defensemen and now you're probably going to scratch someone like a blockbuster player like jake bean like this is uh this is a not not great strategy and you mentioned the rangers in 2018 2019 around that time rushing the rebuild 
that's not what you want to do, especially when you're in the Eastern Conference. Because if you think about it, Carolina is still going to be super competitive next year. The Devils are only going to get better. The Islanders, I think, are going to have a bounce back year. Uh, the Penguins, I think, are going to do better than last season with Dubas behind the general manager station. Um, who else am I missing? The Rangers, I think they're going to be fine. I think the Caps are going to be around the same they were this year, and then we don't really need to mention the Flyers. And then in the Atlantic, I mean, you have uh, you have Toronto. I think they're still going to be good. You have Tampa. They're still going to be good. You have Florida. Barring injuries, I think they're going to still be good. Then you have Buffalo, an up-and-coming team who I genuinely think they're going to make a run at it this year. You have Ottawa, who might be as good, maybe better next season. Depends the whole Debrinket situation. You still have Boston, depending on what they do in the offseason. What I'm trying to get at here is that you're rushing your rebuild in a conference you absolutely should not rush your rebuild in because if you do – you'll end up like the Rangers. And the Rangers have barely done anything in the past season besides make a conference finals in the appearance. But in the past, like, five-ish seasons, they they were great last season. They went to conference finals, but that was mainly because of Shesterkin. They kind of fell back to reality this year and embarrassed themselves in uh, New Jersey, especially with the super team. And that's exactly why I feel like Columbus is doing. It's not... It's not the way to go, especially in the, in the Eastern Conference. I think the trade itself is fine, but the extension and the long-term goal is not that great, in my opinion. Yeah, Any other opinion? No, my, just my biggest issue with it is just blocking out all these prospects. Looking at Columbus's roster, they have seven defensemen on there under the age of 25. Wierenski's 25 now. And you have Peak, Boquist, Blankenberg, Bean, uh, Matchuk, and Jircek, who are all under 25. And to me, just those guys in general is a solid defensive court. But now at least, you know, three of those guys are going to either have to be traded or just buried in the depth charter AHL because they're going to be forced to play Severson, Provorov, and Gabranson over them. So I just, to, mm-hmm. to me, you know, if they just waited a little bit, you know, I still think, you know, Boquist was a former first overall pick. I think he could be great. Um, uh, Bean was great in Carolina. I mean, he was hurt a lot in Columbus, but I think he could be great. I think if they just waited and saw what they had in these guys, these guys could have become much better players than Provorov and Severson even are right now. But because they rushed it, they're, uh, some of these guys aren't even going to have a chance to you know showcase their skills in Columbus and could become stars somewhere else. Yeah, I think a huge reason why they're doing this and getting these two defensemen is because they're scared of what could happen again this season which is they get a lot of injuries and they have a AHL level defense but I mean a lot of these players are taking their next steps and you can't have freaking pylons like Ivan Provorov and Erica Branson blocking their way so let's talk about the other trade that had happened with Frederick Olsen getting traded from Dallas to Colorado for the one and only future considerations quick thoughts on this Olsen trade, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, there's not really much to say. Um, I guess there's more depth for Colorado. They also dealt with a, a lot of injuries this past year. So I guess stocking up on depth isn't even the worst thing ever. Let's see. How do you do this year? 
he had a whopping one goal this in his career. Yeah. Four points through 28 games with Dallas. Yeah, he actually got an appeared in two playoff games. I mean, it's just it's just depth. I mean, yeah, you can never have too too much depth, especially a team like Colorado who had a lot of injury problems this year. He's definitely a guy you could just throw on your fourth line and will be a solid player. Yeah, nothing worth noting besides that. Um, the two NHL teams have been sold. One has been completely sold, and the other has sold a portion of their team for a whopping price. Let's start with the complete sale. That is the sale of the Ottawa Senators. Finally, 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 uh, this is done because it has been kind of long. And that's Michael Andler, I believe that's how you say. Um, New owner of the Senators. He has bought them from the Melnick estate for $950 million uh, U.S. dollars. I believe the Melnick estate, which are the two daughters of Eugene Melnick, they're going to retain 10% minority stake in the ownership. But Andler is a owner in the NHL now. Not, I don't know a lot about him, but what I can say is that Ryan Reynolds, Snoop Dogg, and the weekend battle, none of them won, which kind of sucks. I really kind of want to see Ryan Reynolds or Snoop Dogg in the NHL. I could care less about the weekend. But um, Michael Andler, your thoughts real quick. I don't really know much about him. Um, but, you know, I think it's important that you have an owner who cares. I mean, all these teams that are – you know, contenders right now, I'll say outside of the Rangers, all seem to have owners who, who really, really care about the teams. So, just, um, you know, I, I don't want to disrespect Melnick, but I didn't think he was the greatest owner ever. I think that um, he, he kind of was afraid, especially when Ottawa was, you know, really good team and contending. I feel like he was always afraid to pull, pull the trigger. Um, I guess it's, I guess, or, yeah, he was just afraid to, you know, have Ottawa really reach their potential because they had such a good team, um, especially when they were going on those playoff runs with when Carlson was in his prime. But, you know, I always felt like they were one piece away and Melnick never seemed to, you know, uh, care enough to to pull the trigger on a big move to put him over the top and that eventually ended up costing him. And then he was just totally okay with them shipping off everybody, which I guess they, they needed to do. But um, I think it was his fault in the first place that they never won the cup as, when they had such a, a good team. Um, so I, I think it's good for Senators fans. Hopefully this guy is, is a good owner because, you know, it, it sucks having these owners um, like Dolan in, in New York who just don't care about their team at all. Um, sometimes it, it doesn't really matter in terms – I'll just keep using the Rangers as an example – because Dolan is one of the worst owners in sports. But, you know, they're still good. But, you know, there's some teams where the owners don't care and they're not very good. And I think that was the terms in case of Ottawa for the past few years. So just in terms for their fans, uh, I hope that he, he does good there. Because, you know, what we've seen Ottawa when they're good. You know, that place is popping over there. So, you yeah. know, hopefully we get some playoff hockey back in Ottawa. So Andler uh, has owned a AHL team. Uh the Hamilton Bulldogs, and then he sold them off to the Canadians. They became the Lavelle Rocket. He's also owned a OH, uh, OHL team 
which were the Belleville Bulls and moved them to Hamilton, becoming the Hamilton Bulldogs in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, in 2009, uh, Andler became a part owner of the Montreal Canadiens, became alternate governor for the Canadians on the board of governors for the NHL. And now he is owner of the Ottawa Senators. His main thing, it looks like, is healthcare. He owns a lot of healthcare groups. So that's interesting. And he has a lot of interesting tasks at hand. Like, is he going to keep Pierre Dorian as GM? Is he going to keep DJ Smith as the head coach? I don't think so. Um, is he going to try to find a way to keep Alex Debrink at? Or what's going to happen with that whole situation? There's a lot to deal with here. The Senators are up and coming team. They're going to be good eventually. And I would say the next two, three seasons, you would see them in the playoff spot. But yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of things here. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning, and this was the eye catcher for me this morning. They have sold a piece of their franchise. Let me just get it up. Where is it? I'm trying to find. There it is. Nope, that's not it. Uh, but anyway, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've sold a part of their team. Um, just a minority stake. It's not a huge part, but I mean, that's one of the most profitable, arguably, in the past couple of years, uh, NHL teams out there. Say 1.4 billion uh, state in ownership, which is incredible, and to Arctos Sports Partners. So a lot of money there, which is crazy for a minority interest. That is, that is more than what the Ottawa Senators sold for it. And that was a majority yeah. stake. Holly. Yeah, I, I don't even want to know how much um, Tampa is is worth now. If if the minority stake is going for over a billion dollars, then I, I think they got to be worth at least four or five million in total. Which is which is just it's good for the sport, you know, seeing these teams because I think I read something that, um, I think Melnick bought the Senators about twenty years ago. He bought them for under a hundred million dollars. And um, so now that we have teams, you know, selling minority stakes for over a billion, um, as within just the 20, within 20 years that happened. So I just think it's good for the, the league to just have teams um, and their, you know, their values just keep going up. So that's a record for the NHL, by the way. The previous record was a 1 billion um sell of the Toronto Maple Leafs to Rogers and Bell Canada back in 2011. So I believe, uh, I do not know the percentage, but it is a minority percentage. Vinick spent, uh, Jeff Vinick, as in the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the majority owner, spent around $110 million to own the Lightning back in 2010. They've obviously become a billion dollar organization they've won two cups they'd be they have become president's trophy champions they've won the atlantic division a couple of times i believe um so yeah that's insane that a minority stake in that that uh team is worth over a billion uh next up is let's talk about timo meyer and alex to bring it real quick they are both heading to arbitration um Two different really kind of scenes here. Debrinket 
has kind of made it known now that he doesn't really want to stick it around in Ottawa for a long period of time or Canada as a whole. Meanwhile, Timo Meyer, we've heard a little bit about discussions here and there, but they're both now taking the arbitration. Your thoughts, Tyler? Yeah, I think both of these guys is interesting because both of their their um, qualifying offers are really high. They're both going to get probably over $8 million in arbitration. It's just, are both of these teams going to be willing to, to, you know, pay to keep him around long-term? And in Debrinket's case, I don't think so, just because I don't think Debrink is interested in staying there long-term. So I think, and he's still, obviously his value is not as high as it was when he scored 40 in Chicago, but he still has value because he he's a previous 40-goal scorer and he, you know, he's still a good player. In Myers' case, um, is New Jersey going to be, willing to give him what he wants because I think he's going to ask for over nine million dollars over seven or eight years and I don't know if Jersey is going to be one of stuck be stuck with that contract especially when they're going to have to pay you know guys like Mercer in a few years um and I I just don't know if the Devils would be willing to to give Meyer what he wants and if that happens I still think that he has value and I, I don't know um, what the devils do with him because it's kind of a bad look, especially as GM when you trade for a guy and then, you know, only keep him around as a rental, uh, especially when he's an RFA to just trade him again. But I, I think, um, especially with Brad now getting extended, um, do you see Meyer as part of your top six, part of this core for the next eight years? Or do you, you know, and, like, do you think he's worth keeping around? I, I think he gets it done with the Devils. I don't think Fitzgerald moves on for him just because they gave up assets to trade for him. And I don't think that he is willing to give up on this core yet. Um, I think he wants Meyer in the core. But I do think it's interesting um, because, you know, I, I I don't know if Meyer's worth what he's asking for, but I think a team will give it to him because – there's teams out there that overpay for everybody. And I think if he wants $9.2, $9.5 million for the next seven years, I think a team would do it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a solid addition to whatever team he joins, even if it's back to the Devils. But it's going to be interesting. They do have $26 million around that in cap. Trey Matthews believes that they can resign everyone. Um, I just think like you said about the future if they do resign him to a top dollar contract because i believe the qualifying offer is around nine ten million for meyer so you have to go above that um but you also have dawson mercer you have some other prospects coming up in the devil system that you're eventually going to have to pay top dollar for to keep them around akira schmid is another one that's going to get a lot of money when he eventually hits that especially the way he played uh leading him to the playoffs and in the playoffs uh, Vitek Vanacek is going to need an extension soon. Uh, we'll see how much he makes. And there are a couple other players that are going to require extensions. But that's just that's just piling more and more and more on top of the Dougie Hamilton, the Andre Pilat contracts, the Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer contracts. And arguably, there are a couple players that deserve more than those contracts. But you just got to be careful when you're a young building team here. You can't spend all your money on – uh, just a bunch of offensemen. You got to spread your money all around. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting what they do with Meyer. Um, he's a great player. I've obviously seen him since he got drafted here in San Jose until he left this past offseason. So uh, let's yeah. let's do one more. Yeah. 
NHL thing. And then we'll skip to a little quick thing. But that's basically Shane Doan going to Toronto. He is now special advisor to the GM or assistant GM or a title like that. Moving from Arizona, where, I mean, he played as a player, was a special advisor of some sorts in the organization to Bill Armstrong. Your quick thoughts on Shane Doan going to Toronto. Yeah, I just think this was um, a bigger opportunity in Toronto and just um, an opportunity that could land him um, bigger spots in the future because I definitely think that he's a guy who could be a potential GM one day. And uh, I don't think that there was a ton of opportunity in Arizona to move up in their front office there or eventually take over as a GM. But I definitely think that um, being higher up in Toronto could eventually lead him to, you know, higher spots in the front office and eventually become a GM or president. Yeah. I, just, I think he took the job just because it was, you know, the best thing available for him in his career and future. Yeah, I agree. It's not because of Arizona and their arena. So stop saying that. It's because Bill Armstrong has already filled out most of his assistants. They're doing a great job. Uh, but Don's going to be a GM in the future. I mean, he's done a great job with Team Canada. Um, obviously, this past uh, IIHF tournament, they won the uh, the whole thing. So he's going to be something special, I believe, in the future. And it's not Arizona's fault. So we talked a little bit about Vegas's championship. Um, final bit of news. The AHL championship is not done yet. Currently, the Coachella Valley Firebirds lead that series with Joey DeCour. Well, legend. Um, they lead that series 2-1 against the Hershey Bears. And I believe the next game is tomorrow, which is Friday over in Hershey. But the ECHL has completed their Kelly Cup final, their championship. Um, it was actually faster than the Stanley Cup final. The Florida Everblades, the ECHL affiliate of the Florida Panthers, have won Back-to-back Kelly Cups, they sweep the Idaho Steelheads uh, in the Kelly Cup final, which is interesting because the Idaho Steelheads were a very dominant team in the regular season. So it's very interesting seeing them defeated kind of so easily. Any thoughts about the Florida Everblades, Tally? Congrats to the Florida Everblades on on winning. Maybe the the dynasty is going to start. The Florida Everblades dynasty will run the, the ECHL. I mean, the last time we saw something like that with the Colorado Eagles, they moved to the Asia. So maybe, uh, but championships in hockey, I guess, run for Florida. I mean, Tampa, the Panthers making the final this year. A lot of Florida crap going on. The, the Solar Bears are next. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully go Solar Bears. Uh, but I guess we'll bring you what happens in the Calder Cup final in season two of the podcast. But that is pretty much going to wrap up this edition of the Desert Ship Podcast and for the final time in Season 1. Tyler Cass's Twitter account, Tyler Cass underscore. Go follow him. Uh, Great content on there, like always. Hopefully we'll get some Rob Manfred hate content over there soon. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, Chase Beersley underscore. And I do have something to announce real quick, and that is our media team now has an official Twitter and Instagram account, Inferno TV underscore. Please go follow them and follow what we do, obviously. Uh, Please donate also. If you have any money lying around, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps fund uh, our equipment. It helps funds our travels. So 
go get go get that done hopefully uh tyler any last words for season one of the it, desert podcast it's, it's it's time to get into the most exciting part of the year the off season yep it's time to restart uh and go back and do what well what we were supposed to do i guess if we made the podcast last summer but our first full official season uh but season one has come to a close we thank you all for listening to this to this episode and the whole season we will be back shortly we're going to break down all the teams heading into the off season it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to cover the draft restricted free agency unrestricted free agency other stuff that's going to go down most likely Gary Bettman being an absolute legend probably sometime this summer it's all going to be covered right here in the desert ship podcast again thank you so much for listening and watching in some sorts uh season one the desert ship podcast we appreciate it all and for the final time before season two episode one hope you guys have a great rest of your day thank you